Sammy, I'm sure you've got a ton of questions as well. Oh, Maybe you can build one off the, the stack that you wanted to fire across, mate. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, checkmate. First of all, it is an absolute um, buzz to have you here, mate. Um, I recognise the voice immediately when you came on. You do the newsletter um, <laughs> videos as well. Strangely, pe few... people think because I've only I've only recently shown the face, and people are like, I thought you were like fifty years old and bald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does sound a bit different to the face, but uh, we've had a few interactions on Twitter as well. And um, yeah, you're just a phenomenal resource and seem like an absolute ripping bloke. So, thank you for coming uh, online today, mate. Um, I guess uh, my question or just like a topic or talking point that I kind of wanted to flesh out well is um, we cover macro and a lot with our advanced clients. And what I've been really fascinated to see is Bitcoin's behaviour. You're talking about the four-year cycle and becoming a macro asset class. Couldn't agree more. Uh, but what I really enjoyed watching was it becoming that uh, it's just flowing like a risk asset with the liquidity flows and M2 monetary expansion and the QT coming in as well. It's going to stop being that risk asset eventually. And what I'm really looking at is the relationship to hard assets, to something like a gold. And I really noticed at the back end of uh, well, last year, early this year, was suddenly uh, a correlation. And I hate using decoupling and all that kind of nonsense because people go all crazy with those kind of terms. But I saw that gold ran really hard. Uh, at the beginning of this year and towards the back end of last year. And for me, it's really sniffing out hard economic times ahead, a recession, further debasement ahead. Uh, you know, you see bond yields you know, going absolutely haywire. So, and the inversions, of course, which we do talk about a lot, and that's sniffing out again, hard economic times. And we're seeing gold move. And I thought to myself, well, we've kind of seen this before in 2020, sniffing out the expansion, Bitcoin leading, gold running away as well. And I saw that dynamic happen and I thought, all right, well, this is looking really, really nice. And you had, like you said, FTX hitting that that last low. And I saw the, uh, the I guess, the Bitcoin on-chain metrics. I kind of consider a lot of them that I watch almost like a lagging indicator of the broader trend, which I find really useful to look at. And it just seemed that FTX, Luna, Tesla, all of that craziness, meanwhile, traditional macro bear markets playing out in you know, traditional finance, we've never seen that in Bitcoin. I just felt FTX suppressed us to lower levels. We probably weren't expecting that would happen. And that pushes us down to 15,000, you know, maybe could have got to 12. I know everyone's thinking 12 and we get to 15, which is classic psychology as well. Uh, and then and then we've had the move out. And I just think, yeah, that we've been pushed down probably to that macro low that we've seen and and, and now we're moving out. So you answered a lot of my questions um, in your, your intro, which is just, Fantastic. But I guess maybe just fleshing that last part out a bit more is 2023, we're, we're kind of thinking that we're going to have to see a similar move to 2019 where we have a bit of that uh, exuberance euphoria. Maybe once we get above that 200-week moving average, move a bit higher and maybe compress again into the halving. And then you've got 2024 and who knows what. Is that how you're thinking things kind of progress? We have that that move higher and, and likely we pull back because, like I said, oh, the big buyers have already sold. Whoever wants to have sold has sold. And and now it's it's really, you know, the, the resistance isn't really there on the upside once we get through 25. Is that kind of how you're seeing things? Yeah, so um, this is a really interesting topic. So I, I fall into the camp where I believe that the June sell-off um, back when Three Arrows Capital blew up and, as we now know, FTX most likely blew up too, um, since then, which I think the low there, if I'm not mistaken, was like 17.6 or something. Yeah. I believe from that point, pretty much I would even argue where we are now, that whole process, even with the FTX excursion lower, um, 
that is all one big bottom formation pattern. Um, and FTX is very interesting because if you look at um, – we, we, we look at transaction volume. Um, there's kind of different versions that we use at Glassnode. Um, if you pull just the raw one out from the blockchain, there's no filtering. You're not kind of taking out Binance's internal wallets and all that kind of stuff. We then apply another one called change adjusting. And what that does is it removes kind of industry heuristics. If Binance is doing wallet consolidation or someone's doing a spend and we can determine that that's the payment, that's the change, you can do these like very simple tricks to kind of make it a bit more filtered economic data. We then have another one called what we call entity adjusted. And this is using all the Glassnode smarts where we actually really go into that actually is Binance by our best estimate. That is FTX. And you kind of filter it to the cleanest data we have. Now, why this is relevant is our cleanest data, that, that entity adjusted data, um, that really shows a much, much more, a more precise picture of the volume. But if you look at either of the other two, which don't have that level of filtering, following FTX actually collapsing, transaction volume, it, this thing is like a waterfall. The amount of volume, and then when you now that you kind of look at it, if you can kind of envision it in a chart, it's fallen off and then it's just gone completely flat. So there's like this big bubble in the chart of what is quite literally inflated, you know, it's, it's volume that's not real. And the more we've looked at it, it was in fact the FTX Alameda entity mm. being malfeasant. So mm. When you kind of look at that, there was a stack of paper Bitcoin. There was a stack of um, of deleveraging and just like fake Bitcoin. There was essentially people that thought they were bought, buying spot and that BTC was immediately going and buying some other token or essentially misbehaving. So there was a lot of demand that was suppressed during that bull market. And simultaneously, there was also a lot of excess leverage that was geared towards Bitcoin. So in many ways, the FTX collapse purged all that stuff out of the market. So that excursion below that kind of June level, I think it was like 18, 19K floor, that excursion down to 15K was actually a massive overcorrection relative to kind of the core fundamentals, but it still achieved the same result of purging out the market. Um, and I think that the rally we've had in January is almost like the, the resetting of that. And it's kind of artistic how it just, fully replaces the, the FTX candle, and we're just kind of back into that same range. So in, in terms of what I'm kind of seeing moving forward, um, I, I like the concept of something in between in 2015 and 2019. The reason that I say that is 2019 was also a little bit unique. We went from 4K to 14K in three months. But what a lot of people didn't realize is that, well, not until after the fact, there was a, uh, it was called the plus token Ponzi. There was this Ponzi scheme going on over in, in China that created a stack of, uh, I forget what the number was. I think it might've been like 1% or 1 point something percent of all BTC got sucked into this Ponzi scheme. So there was an enormous spot demand that the market didn't realize until July or August. Now, unless we have some kind of enormous spot demand that shows up, that kind of takes a bit of the wind for me out of like another 2019 style rally. It may happen, but that, that was kind of a force that people didn't kind of realize was there that, that, that really was. Um, and at the same time, there was a lot of spot demand from China, but all of the Western markets were putting on shorts on derivative markets. So there was kind of a short squeeze combined with the spot. So my, my view is that 2015 is a little bit more, I mean, much less developed as a market, much more, um, much more immature back then. But we kind of had a one-year-long period before we finally broke out into that 2016 range. So something on the order of like 
12, 18 months of, I guess you would call it reaccumulation, potentially not going back down towards those lows. Um, it could be like 2019 where we get that, or 2020 where you get that kind of final flush um, that kind of retests and makes that level clear. But um, certainly I'm not in the camp where I'm expecting all-time highs anytime soon with the caveat that if they just turn the money printer back on, then you know you start talking about a different story here. But I do think that that hard economic times is likely ahead of us. Um, there is that correlation factor. Um, I think also something to, to just be in mind is that many, many institutions will have got very spooked by what happened with FTX. Yeah. So that's going to do two things. It's going to remove that demand side, but simultaneously, it's also going to create a sense of under, under ownership. If Bitcoin does, and I believe it will survive this whole kind of chaotic field, um, it's kind of a matter of time before I think that, that that interest starts to return and recover. Regulatory clarity will start to come in. I think there's a lot of kinks that need to get worked out over the next 18 months. Um, and I think Bitcoin will emerge uh, successful at the end of that, but there's kind of an under allocation that's going on. So you know, something in between that 2015 to 17 realm. But if you kind of zoom out and look at this thing four years from now, it will probably be one of these big macro consolidations that has a 2019 era to it, has a 2015-16 vibe to it, below all-time high, maybe even below 50% below the all-time high, but just kind of reaccumulating and reasserting itself as I'm not dead, I'm still here, and uh, Bitcoin carries on. Mm. Nice. We, we've grabbed the um, the bars pattern. You know, you can do that on Trade and View and given it an overlay to see the forecast. It's always uh, good fun, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when we put it on there, it it within the ranges, it moves up to 50K or high 40s, back down to 25, and then comes into the final, <laughs> like in, into the end of the four-year cycle. And it just seems so perfect in terms of the ranges and the movement. And I know it's highly speculative, uh, but yeah, very, very interesting to see how that all The other thing to that point, which I think is quite interesting, is after the FTX event, we saw an enormous, like historically large withdrawal of coins from custodians. So so not only did we flush out all the leverage and many of the bad actors, so a huge portion of that derivative space has been just flushed and wiped out. Um, So you've got less paper trading going on, but also you've had a whole bunch of people who've pulled their coins off into self-custody. So when I kind of look at what that resembles, um, it's a lot more. I mean, the the 2020-21 bull market was very much driven by that paper Bitcoin, lots of leverage, lots of derivatives. 2017, none of that existed. That was a spot-driven market. That kind of true, perfect parabola was a spot-driven demand. We could, in fact, be somewhere closer to that. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, diminishing returns and Bitcoin's going to die and blah, blah, blah. It's never going to reach the same peaks again. But if you kind of look at the market structure, we have a very spot-driven market right now. And that spot-driven market is actually what created that quite spectacular parabola. Um, so even, even though it is speculative and no one knows how this thing plays out, there's some of the backbone there that's that's it's different to what we saw in the last, let's say, four years we're actually a little bit back towards 2017 era of a spot-driven market, which I think will be quite interesting. Um, and it's probably, my, my kind of view, it'll probably trade a lot more commodity-like than it will stock-like is my kind of instinct um, as moving forward. And, you know, it kind of comes back to that correlation with gold. Um, you know, I think that demand for gold is going to start to creep in. We're seeing central banks buying more of it. So it, it all kind of fits in that that realm. You can kind of see these possibilities starting to build out in the fun- fundamentals. 
Yeah. The the fractal puts it up at a 160, 150 US Bitcoin, uh, which is interesting. Which most Bitcoiners would say, all right, that's 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 fine, that's expected result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a given, <laughs> sure. Um, Sammy, any anything that you wanted to share? I, I had a few things come up as um James was talking then, but anything that you wanted to share, mate? Oh, look, I think, um, yeah, you nailed it, man. Um, you're across it. I, I don't have any more questions around that. I think it was, you know, you know, I was going to ask around the FTX derivatives. Did you see that kind of evidence on chain, which you clearly did, uh, correlation with with gold? I, I guess I see it kind of like you. It's kind of like when you're looking at the longer game, uh, currencies are going to self-annihilate. It's just going to happen over time. They're going to turn the money printers on just based on structural issues. Yeah, it's, it's math. As Greg Foss says, it's just, it's just math. I, I love that guy uh, when I listen to him. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a constant thing. And institutions, they love gold. It's trusted. They're going to go to it very, very slowly. And Bitcoin, you're right. The uh, the trust has been smashed because of FTX. But um, like I've been sort of reading between the tea leaves, and you can just see what's happening with DCG and Grayscale and, and different things there that the big boys of finance, you know, BlackRock, Fidelity, all of those guys, they're circling. They want to acquire. They want to get a seat at the table. They want to run it. Um, and I can just see you in these companies in distress in a bear market. You know, it's perfect time to lean in, grab some of that market share. And if and if in my eyes, if one of those big players comes in and uh, takes over a grayscale Bitcoin trust, or you know, Fidelity is doing their own thing, BY and Mellon, all that. Uh, I, I think if that trust can be somewhat reasserted just organically over time, and I think it is going to be like that, um, it's just a matter of how long, um, and it could be sooner. I, I don't know. Uh, my, my thinking was with the, the Fed pivot, that's probably when the markets actually tip over, and I think we have a bit of a Goldilocks period into the pause, but that's just kind of a theory I have.